Hi everyone, welcome back to Very Factual Podcast. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella, and we, this Premier League match week, we really only had two big games, so we're going to try to stretch this episode out as much as we can, and we'll actually start it off at the Emirates, where Arsenal took on Crystal Palace on Saturday. Yes, so Arsenal celebrated their amazing 5-0 win against Crystal Palace at home with Gabriel scoring early in the 11th minute. Then in the 37th minute, Crystal Palace's Henderson scored. In the wrong net, putting Arsenal two goals ahead at the end of the first half. Second half begun and Trossard scored 15 minutes later. It looked as though Arsenal would finish the game 3-0 until at a time when Martinelli scored two goals only one minute apart, causing Arsenal fans to celebrate when the final whistle blew. Honestly, I have to say this was an expected win. Like Crystal Palace, bottom half the table. They were in 13th, I think, before this win. I mean, before this loss. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, Arsenal, yes, they've been a little rocky recently, but they're, like, they're getting better. We saw recently that they've, that they've kind of stretched their wins, but you knew they were going to win this game. Yeah, I think they got a big result, right? And they've had mm-hmm. some bad performances. Like, after Christmas time, they've got some bad results. But I think you could say that Crystal Palace was really bad in this game, and that's mm-hmm. what made Arsenal look so good because Crystal Palace have not been on it for, like, a while. And the game was really one-sided. Like, Arsenal needed to get back to winning because if they want to compete with Liverpool and uh, Man City, they have to be at, like, this consistent rate. And like you said, it was expected just because of how bad Crystal Palace were. And now what Arsenal needs to do, they need to build, like, off this win and keep putting results together to maybe keep up in this title race somehow. Yeah, um, Arsenal recently, like you said, they they were kind of, like, uh, going downhill after Christmas, mm-hmm. but now they're they're starting to realize, like, hey – we got to get better if we're going to be playing Chelsea and Liverpool for, like, a spot in the top four. And um, Not really Chelsea, at- but... <laughs> oh, no, Chelsea, not Chelsea. I meant City. I meant City. <laughs> I, I meant City. Um, but I'm looking at the stats right now, and, like, I expected a little more from Crystal Palace because usually they do pose a threat, but they were just really bad this really game. really bad for a while now. Like, yeah. Something's off. Like, the shots compared was um, 21 for Arsenal and 12 for Crystal Palace. Like, that's, like, almost double the amount of yeah, shots. And it's just, yeah. like, like that shows how little uh, Crystal Palace really brought to the table this game. Yeah, literally, like, I think it was when Arsenal got their third goal or something. Crystal Palace fans had, like, posters and, like, these flags ready and they were literally protesting mid-game saying how there's no structure in the team there's no plan like a mid-game like they expected it 100 and i just thought it was really funny because they yeah, really it... hate their ownership no yeah i know like honestly i'm just gonna say like this game though it was expected to how it was you there was nothing else to say i mean crystal palace they've just been like they're kind of like a joke now a little bit. Yeah, a little because, bit. Because, yeah, because you everyone knows they're going to kind of win against them now. Like, share may be a little bit more difficult in some games, but, like, like people are, like, protesting, like you said. It's just, it's just not a good look for them right now. Yeah, and um, I think a negative that I have for Arsenal, something I have to say about them, is that um, if they want to 
continue in this title race, they're going to struggle because they have a lack of goal scorers right now. Mm-hmm. And Arteta said that they're not signing a striker in January, which like puts down all those rumors to all those strikers they were uh, linked to. They got five goals in this game, but you, you knew that. You knew that they were going to get something out of it. They just need to, what they have to hang in there because, and their wingers need to start scoring because they, I feel like a lot of their forward line is out of form. And okay, I, I always, I'm going to compare them to Liverpool. Like you see Liverpool, they don't have like a Holland number nine, if that makes sense. Like they don't have that main guy. But they they have players who contribute all around the field. Like their whole forward line can score any time. Like if if it's not Salah, then it's Gakpo. If it's not Gakpo, then it's Diaz. If it's not Diaz, then it's Jota. If it's not Jota, then it's Nunez. And that's what Arsenal need to build because they literally overwork their main players. Like they overwork Martinelli. Saka has been a really big one. And they don't have any good, solid replacements for the star players when they're out of form. Yeah, I mean, like I was about to say, like, Martinelli, he's he's a bit of a goal scorer, but like you said, he's going to get overworked. He's going to burn out like Saka did. Yeah. So it's just it's, they got to find that striker that, like, they can't really depend on or they can have all those players around the field where they can, you know, um, work together and score. But at this point, like you said, they're not going to be signing a striker even though they want to. Yeah, we'll just, they have no I, money. They literally have yeah. no money. Yeah, they don't. They already spent it or, like, on Declan Rice. Yep. I mean, which was million pounds. But which it was, was worth it. I mean, it was worth it. He yeah. definitely contributed his price and everything. Yeah, and something I found interesting is that Saka only scored six goals this season, and last score last season he scored uh, fourteen. And I think he's probably the most overworked and most yeah. overplayed Arsenal player. And I think he's lost some edge. Like, beginning of the season, he was, like, all right. But now it's just, I feel like he's not even in the game anymore. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I don't see him. Yeah, beginning of the season, I literally loved him. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be, like, player of, like, the year and everything. Yeah. I thought he was just going to be amazing. And then he got overworked. He's, he didn't really live up to all the expectations. So there was so much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of, like, burned out a little bit. And I don't really blame him because he's still really young. And there was a lot of, like, pressure put on him at a young age. Yeah, and, you know, if we want to be positive, maybe for a change, <laughs> they got a clean sheet, right? That's yeah. a big thing. You know, we I thought David Raya was going to m- make a mistake. There was, like, one opportunity where I thought he was just going to screw it up. But he didn't. And Leonardo Trossard also looked very good in this game. I feel like we don't really get to see, like, too too much of him but he really he looked great and he really pressed that crystal palace net and now just they have to build off of this continue these results and now they're tied points with city they're both at 43 i believe and you know if you get men city to screw up then you can overtake them (laughs) yeah i mean bottom line is they got the points they needed yeah like you said with 43 they're only um what is it Five, yeah, five points away from Liverpool, which is top mm-hmm. of the table right now. But, you know, there's only so much that, like, you can be disappointed about. You won the game 5-0. You got what you wanted. This should be, like, a confidence boost for them. 
Liverpool remain top of the table after a 0-4 to win against Bournemouth. Darwin Nunez would get a long-awaited goal, breaking the deadlock in the 49th minute. Diogo Jota netted two goals nine minutes apart. And to seal off the win, Darwin Nunez once again scored in the 93rd minute, putting Liverpool five points clear of Manchester City. I, um, I guess I, I knew Liverpool were favorites, and... Bournemouth haven't been super bad this season. Like we saw what they did to United when they won three nil, I think it was. And mm-hmm. but the thing about Liverpool, I feel like they're just on a very different level compared to like these mid table teams. Like they really changed since last season. And some they had no Mohamed Salah in this game. He is at AFCON, he's representing Egypt, and he recently got injured there, but He's supposed to be fine. Um, but they showed that it looks like they didn't even miss Salah, to be honest with you. Like, this this was such, like, a Liverpool result. You know, it this game lived up to expectations. Nunez has, has been having a bit of a goal, dr- goal drought, and he's getting... He got some much-needed goals today, so hopefully that can boost his confidence. Jota has really stepped up in Salah's absence and has really been great ever since his injury and it's just it's such this is like the epitome of a Liverpool game this is like what I expected I mean like I agree I feel like Bournemouth knew going into the game that like Liverpool they would be very difficult to beat and I mean I watched the first five minutes of this game and then I had to go do something but I saw Bournemouth they literally almost scored in the first minute mm-hmm. like Liverpool I don't think you were prepared to see how strong Bournemouth came out of this game yeah but clearly didn't really work out in their favor. But at halftime, it was 0-0, which really surprised me because mm-hmm. I expected goals from Liverpool. But soon they got back on their feet and they scored four in the second half. But um, like you said, like I feel like they have those players everywhere on the field. Mm-hmm. So if they miss, for example, Salah, it's not going to affect them too much because you have Nunez, you have Jota, you have, you have people everywhere. And it's just it's not really going to affect them too much when one or, or even two players leave because they have that depth. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that Liverpool will really miss Salah for, like, this his little absence right now. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as people make it seem. Like, they make it seem like they literally have no one to score goals. They but make it seem they like, do. Yeah, they make it seem like how Kane was for Spurs yes. when he was playing Spurs. They make it seem like they only have him. But they don't. There's a lot of players. Like I, it's kind of like the same thing for City. Like if they mm-hmm. if they miss Holland, sure it's gonna affect them a little bit. But they also have that depth. So it's just like you gotta realize that like top table teams, it won't affect them too much. Yeah, like I said for um, Arsenal, like they have uh, Liverpool have really good backups, and they have forward players that can score literally when needed. So mm-hmm. I don't like I wasn't really like afraid like that the Salah absence is going to bother them much. I, it was just, they dominated the whole game. Like, they literally had double the possession that Bournemouth had. They had, like, double the shots. They had six shots on target. And it's just, um, I predicted them uh, when we were doing our um, preseason predictions. Mm-hmm. I believed that they were going to finish second. And there was, like, this little time frame where they were doing kind of bad. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, it kind of scared me a bit. But now they just, like, kind of woke up. And I feel like this title race 
um, has turned from Arsenal flying being top of the table at Christmas to a literal replay of the 23, uh, 22-23 season when Liverpool and Manchester City finished a point apart. And Chelsea finished third, but that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> but just got to say that. Like, that season, I, Liverpool had 92 points and Man City had 93. And I feel like this is the type of season this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I feel like the first two are going to be kind of the replay of last season because, like you said, like they started off kind of weird, and then they had well, not well, they had that weird kind of like spot where where yeah. I thought they weren't gonna pick back up, but they did. And we also saw that in Man City, they had that weird mm-hmm. little time, and they're they're picking it back up right now. They're on their way back to the top, but there's gonna be like I feel like last month of Premier League, there's gonna be constant switching between Liverpool and City, and you just don't know who's gonna win. Yeah, because I genuinely think they are the two strongest teams in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like Arsenal's squad, it's not as experienced. They're very young. Yes. As... I feel like once they get older, they're going to be like oh, yeah. a Liverpool, how they are now. Because they're going to have more experience on the field. Yeah, and they're, they're, you know, they're doing really good for a really young team. So, mm-hmm. I feel like they can achieve something in the future. It's just like... Arsenal and Liverpool, I feel like, I mean, Arsenal and Spurs, I feel like they don't have as much depth as City and Liverpool. And I just, I feel like Liverpool and City are almost in their own bracket. It's like they, the players that they have and the depth that they have, it, it, they're just, I feel like they're way ahead of so many Premier League teams. Yeah, they like you said, they have that depth and everything. And I feel like Spurs, we saw once they lost, like, Sun or something, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, they can kind of work their way through it, but they're very insecure on the field. And it just shows how how much of, um how, like, confident, really, City and Liverpool are. They, they're, like, like you said, they deserve their own bracket almost. So those were our two highlighted the games that we just looked at, but... I feel like we don't really shine a lot of light on the mid-table teams unless they're playing a big side. But something that has happened this week was Brentford and Nottingham Forest. And in this game, the big talking point was Ivan Toney coming back from his eighth-month betting suspension. Sorry. (laughs) And in this game, he capped in the side. He scored a goal. In the 19th minute, which was very controversial, don't you think, Kayla? Mm-hmm. I mean, that goal, I mean, he did something completely illegal to get that goal. He yeah. picked up the foam and he moved it a little closer to the net to get that goal because it was a free kick. But, I mean, a lot of people do that, but still, it's yeah. kind of like you just got back from an eight-month-long ban and... That's the first thing you do. <laughs> you cheated. You literally like, cheated. Um, it's just, it's not a good show for Brentford. It's not a good look for him. Like, the first thing he does when he comes back is that. Like, that's kind of crazy. But the thing is, you said it's not a good show for Brentford. I don't think it's a good show on the referees. You have that too. four referees plus referees in the VAR booth with cameras all around, all different types of angles, and you can't see a guy literally picking up the spray foam and moving it somewhere else. Like, come on now. That's <laughs> probably going to be in, like, one of the highlights that some people make because you yeah. know that, like, 
like you see it. It's it was it was shown live and everything. You yeah. know that he moved it. Everyone it's just, saw it. Everyone saw it. And I feel like maybe if the refs did see, they might have they could have been either too scared to say anything, or yeah. they just thought it wasn't that big of a deal. Because like some refs, it's kind of like oh he moved it like what two inches to the yeah. right, but that could actually make a big difference. So. But the thing is. The uh the forest players they set their wall up where the original foam was, and then when Tony moved it over, that like changes the whole thing. He found a little pocket in the net that made it a lot easier for the ball to go in. If he didn't cheat, I don't think his free kick would have gone in. I think it would have maybe hit the Brentford wall, or it it would have gone out of bounds. And mm-hmm. he just found that perfect pocket. And, you know, I feel like we've seen, you said, we've seen a lot of teams do this. I feel like it's quite almost normalized because, you know, it's a little cheeky move. Like, I remember I've seen, like, Luka Modric do it a couple times at Real Madrid. And it's like, but the thing is, you come back after eight months and you do that. Like, come on, dude, play fair. <laughs> like, also the fact that he got he didn't get suspended because of something that he did on the field. It was because of gambling. But like, yeah. To be fair, still you did something. It's a bad look that the first thing you do is that. Yeah. And I know that it's been kind of normalized, but also, like you said, the Brentford wall, not the Brentford wall, not forest. the Brentford wall. The, yeah, the forest's wall was right in front of them, like, blocking the net. If he moves it, mm-hmm. like, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, then it affects the entire play. And he found that little pocket, like you said, and it went in. Like you said, I don't think it would have gone in if he didn't move it. And I feel like that's the main reason why that foam is kind of there. It's not kind of just, like, oh, pointing in this general area. Here, put the ball there. It's, like, they made that so you like you can't go past it. Yeah, I I wonder what they're gonna do now. They can change it to like cape or something, <laughs> or like spray paint. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, actually, I feel like that would be a good idea. Spray but then, paint. But then they have to like wash it off between every single game. Whatever. I mean, it's better than <laughs> you know cheating and moving foam. True. True. Like they're all calling it the foam gate now. Like yeah. that, literally, no one cares about the result of the game. They're just all talking about Ivan Tony's cheating. <laughs> well, yeah, because he just came back from a suspension and he yeah. cheated. Like, I feel like it's so difficult to cheat in soccer. Yeah, because but there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. Literally, it's like an open field. You have four referees. You have 22 players on the field. You have the subs. You have the coach. And you have the VAR booth, who has a million angles, but never the right one when they have to check it. <laughs> but, it, you know... They got the win, but I think it could have been tied if that foam gate didn't count. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it is what it is. You kind of knew that it would be kind of a close game because they're both yeah. mid-table teams. But, you know, there's not much else that you can really take away from this game. Yeah, and that's what that's all we have for you guys today. I have to go catch a Buffalo Bills game. so yeah next week i'm pretty sure we're back to like you know normal premier Mm -hmm. league schedule so we'll see you guys then yes so thank you everyone for joining us today please follow our instagram and youtube at very factual podcast